Welcome to this week's podcast. This smallest podcast is designed for small government contractors, service providers, and manufacturers as part of the government contractor ecosystem, connecting people, organizations, and resources. I'm your host, Just Nate, and on the phone today, we've got our CEO, Sir Dennis Cater. Dennis, welcome. Hey, Nate. Thanks a lot. Glad to be here today. Well, Dennis, so uh, this is our episode number four, and uh, you know I, I'm looking at our stats, and uh, we're growing on the podcast, so that's a good thing. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about kind of where things are going with uh, the smalls in general, and also with uh, the podcast. And our guest, another Colorado-based small government contractor, and I'll let you introduce them. But um, I'm really excited about what's happening in Colorado. Um, lots of opportunities out there. Uh, with the government even slowing down and the coronavirus epidemic going on, there's a lot of good things and, and a lot of activities in government contracting that are still uh, moving forward. Also, uh, everyone in the small business world needs to be taking a look at the CARES Act and seeing what the federal government can provide to you and your company. There's a lot of good information out there. Matter of fact, probably an overwhelming amount of information right now, but I'd ask you all to take a look at that um, and see if that applies to you and if you can get some of those resources. So with that, Nate, I turn it over to you. Yeah, no, I mean, you bring up the fact that there's a lot going on right now. And obviously, we've been upgrading, updating our schedule um, of events on our website because a lot of things are going virtual right now. So Dennis, one of the things that uh, we're changing a lot right now on our our, our, our website, the smalls.org, is our events calendar because a, a lot of events right now are all going digital or virtual events. And uh, is there anything you want to add to that right now before we introduce our guests today? No, I just ask everybody to continue to look at the calendar uh, and provide information. If you know of an event that is changing to a virtual event or being canceled, please send that to us at uh, smallscolorado at uh, thesmalls.org. We are definitely trying to keep up with things. It's changing on a daily basis. There are still a lot of conferences scheduled for later in the summer and in the fall. So those events are still looking like they are currently on track, although we'll see how things play out here. Um, it's mostly the events that are occurring in the near term. So March events all got canceled. April's are pretty much all canceled. And then into May, some of the June ones have also been canceled, but um, there are a few still out there. So I'd ask you to take a look at that, visit our website. And also, if you are aware of information on um, cancellations and or changes to virtual events, please let us know and we'll gladly post those. Excellent. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. And if, and if people out there have any interest in, in wanting to record an episode with us on this small cast, uh, go ahead, feel free, reach out to us at our website at smallscolorado at thesmalls.org. Once again, that's smallscolorado at thesmalls.org. So with us today, Dennis, um, I'm actually kind of excited here. We've got a, a local company um, whose mission it is to deliver innovative and creative solutions to the U.S. intelligence, defense, homeland security, cybersecurity communities and their international partners through cutting edge education, training, security, research, forms, analysis programs. So we actually have a, a full line here today. Um, I'm going to kick us off here with um, J Mark Services, CEO and President, and Mr. Mike Phillips. Mike, you're online. 
Hey, Nate, good afternoon, and, and, uh, and thank you so much for having us. Uh, it's exciting to be a part of this, and uh, you know, I don't go anywhere without my entire team because we, we come as a group. We don't come as individuals, so we're excited to be able to participate in this and uh, represent the small businesses in Colorado at a, at a very high end. So thank you for the invitation. No, that's 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 great. We, we love having you guys here, and, and I know you and I spoke earlier this week, and w- what I really like about your company is the fact that you guys are very close-knit family feel. So um, with that, I want to give you a quick uh, minute here just to introduce your entire team so people know who's online. Um, We'll be bringing them into the conversation here and then. Um, But go ahead, Mike, introduce your team, see who's all here and and give give a give the audience a feel of, of who you brought with you. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the key features of our company that uh, that we pride ourselves in is the kind of talent that we bring on board, and it's part of our business model as uh, who we who we uh, we have as a part of our company and reaching out facing the customer. And Bob Rehorn uh, has been with us now for a couple of years. Um, Bob is unique; he's my uh, chief operating officer, or COO, and uh, he is um, unique in that he's got an Air Force career as a senior officer behind him, and he's also got about 20 years in the business world behind him. So I get the best of both worlds. Uh, with Bob. Um, my chief strategy officer is Pat uh, Owen, and uh, Pat comes to us from the Marine Corps. He spent a career in the uh, Marine Corps aviation, uh, EA-6B Prowlers, uh, did some time over Kosovo, and uh, he runs all of our BD teams around the country and overseas and uh, helps us provide our uh, our capture going out to a year and five years out. So we're, we're fortunate to have Pat with us. I got Dr. Tom Drohan, Brigadier General Retired Tom Drohan. Uh, equally lucky to have Tom. We uh, stole him from uh, uh, the Air Force Academy and then uh, uh, again from uh, uh, National Defense College um, in Oman, I, I believe it was. And Tom runs our International Center for Security and Leadership. And so we got an academic perspective that integrates all of our all of our uh, ability to characterize an information environment, whether it be in the commercial world or whether it be in defense industry, because we uh, we do and spend a lot of time in both. We'll talk a little bit more about that. And then, of course, uh, Jim Lacey is an all-star. Uh, Jim is uh, our Western Region Vice President of, uh, of JMARC. He's focusing on the commercial sector and primarily in the cyber arena for us. And uh, we are very lucky to have him. We were able to bring Jim on board about uh, early early January. And uh, he's well represented across uh, all of Colorado Springs. Everybody knows Jim. And uh, so we're honored to have him uh, having joined us to be a part of our team. He uh, he rounds us out in a very nice way. That's great. Um, sounds like you got a full team there. And uh, so just so you guys, so everybody in the uh, audio land out there is listening in, uh, the way we're going to work this podcast episode is we're just going to be talking with Mike as the CEO, and I'm going to let Mike uh, defer any of the questions that he wants off to his team. And we're just going to kind of tag team this this event here. Dennis, do you have any comments or questions? Nope. I think this is a good uh, um episode for us. We haven't done this format yet. And so uh, one note I just want to make out to uh, folks out in audio land there is that if you'd like to be on the podcast and would like to talk about your company, um, this is the format to do it. And we welcome that. And uh, back to you. That sounds good. And Dennis, I'm going to tag team on that real quick. Um, as we said, you know, we're, we're booking up weeks in advance right now for these events. It's it's obviously becoming popular. I'm getting comments and or requests um on a weekly basis right now for saying, hey, how how do we how do we get on your podcast? We even had people uh on the East Coast asking to get on the podcast. Uh southern border people are asking to get on the podcast. So along with that, um, you know, send us the request and we'll find time to get you guys on. So Mike, tell me a little bit about J Mark Services, how you guys got started, kind of what your your core competencies are, I don't know, sure. what you take off that way. Yeah, we've been around, um, actually, we just graduated from 8A status August 9th of, of last year. So we were a small 8A company, and uh, I'll explain how we, we got there. But, you know, what makes JMR success, um, in my view, is is the talent that, that we've hired. And we're a very tight group, as you mentioned. We're blessed to have the team that we've got. And I love the fact that, you know, all of us root for each other and our successes. So, you know, I like the fact that our hierarchy is flat. Um, you know, as a CEO, I get to take out garbage and get to cut grass, but I also get to write and negotiate proposals. And I also get to uh, to go to Capitol Hill and negotiate for small business advantage and uh, and, and do the whole the whole process of a small business. So 
we've learned a lot along the way. But I love the fact that uh, that we're all part of the same team and that uh, uh, we do this together and root for each other to win. So very lucky uh, to, to uh, be a part of this company. Um, the history of JMark uh, really began back in uh, about 2007, 2008. And I realized that there was a significant gap. Um, you know, my background is 30 years in the Air Force. I was an intelligence officer. Uh, my last job uh, in my intelligence profession was the uh, commander of the Air Force Intelligence Analysis Agency. And our job was to provide intelligence briefings to the chief of staff of the Air Force and secretary of the Air Force every day of the week at 6 o'clock in the morning and 6.30 in the morning. And I was responsible for putting all that together. And when I rolled in there to be the new commander, I saw them putting together a binder, a three-inch binder of material that was going to go up to the chief of staff of the Air Force, a, a senior executive. Uh, and then it was going to go over to the secretary of the Air Force. They wanted me to carry that book. And I said, you know, absolutely no way are we going to deliver that kind of information to the chief staff of the Air Force, a, a busy guy with 300 pages to read in the morning. So we wiped that out completely, and we made it a one-page, stick-and-rudder kind of document for him to read what was going on around the world. But what it triggered in me, uh, and really where it started the idea of a, of a company, was we had a significant gap in advanced intelligence analysis, uh, advanced collection education training programs, and advanced targeting programs. So we went ahead and adopted uh, an idea while I was still in uniform uh, to see if we couldn't build advanced education programs for the captain, major, lieutenant colonel you know, levels uh, in there. Because we were largely at the time nothing more than a cut and paste society. Uh, yeah, intelligence professionals called an analyst. But why? We had no credentials. We had gone to, in, to Intel school and were given a, a certificate and a badge and you know, off you went for 20 years. And I wanted to change that paradigm. And so the idea of creating education programs for those mid-level years was important to me. I found out in uniform I couldn't do it because the bureaucracy was so much. I had a two-star tell me that, oh, we'll get that on-the-job training. Um, absolutely uh, a bad idea, uh, both in theory and concept. So I retired uh, as a commander of the Air Force Intelligence Analysis Agency in 2009, and then I went back as an SES. I was a senior executive uh, for the Air Force uh, as, a, as a technical director for intelligence analysis, thinking I could make a change there. And that bureaucracy was even worse. And I said, that's it. I, I left and we started a company that was at the time called RPS Solutions. I was the P. My business partner was a, a chief warrant officer, five, Mike Seidel. He was the S. And R was a retired three-star general who was a door kicker for us. And hence began this idea of uh, education training company. Well, we quickly realized that it was difficult for a couple of guys and an idea to compete for contracts inside the Beltway without an advantage. And the advantage we needed was an 8A company. Obviously, I don't hold that 8A status, but uh, we did have an individual that did. And Judy Shute, who is the J and J Mark, uh, um, had Indian uh, American Indian descent and uh, qualified for those requirements. And so I restructured the company and we made it J Mark Services. Mark was her husband's name. And off we went. And Judy was the president of J Mark and we ran it like that for 10 years. And Judy retired August 9th of last year. And uh, I assumed uh, control of the company and, and management uh, and the organization of it going forward. But it all started in the Pentagon uh, with realizing what was needed. And, uh, and I knew where the, the niches were for that kind of work. I had eight tours in the Pentagon, so I knew where the money was hidden. I knew where the dead bodies were, and I knew where I could get some success. And uh, so we went after that small niche um, as J-Mark and won our very first contracts in 2009 uh, with, the, uh, with actually our flagship program today called the Information Environment Advanced Analysis Course. And uh, that course is now certified by the joint staff. It's intelligence support to information operations, and it's how to uh, uh, kill or deny targets um, through non-kinetic means or influence operations. And uh, we're happy now to be able to take that, take that course uh, all over the world. So we, we kind of got our start there. And uh, in fact, we took our first contract with no money. Uh, the Air Force promised us that they would pay us for the coursework. And uh, in true to government form, they kept their promise, but they paid three months later. So my business partner and I paid that out of our bank accounts and payroll, and uh, and off we went as a company. And uh, here we sit 11 years later, 
And uh, we're about to 60 people right now. And uh, our high has been 111 people with work in Saudi Arabia and Singapore and Finland and Mexico, um, uh, obviously across the United States and, and various Air Force programs. Um, but, uh, but we're off and running. And uh, now we're on our own as we uh, look like a regular company competing with the big boys uh, has a non-disadvantaged company. So that was our start, and that's a little bit of our our history. Great. Um, I love to hear these stories. Um, I know some people have asked, why why would you care about somebody's history of the company? Because uh, my answer always is because that's that's the heart and soul of the company, right? You you get your start. You got to do what you got to do. You 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 hit the nail on the head. Um, and I'm glad you guys came through it, right? That first that first contract you had where they paid you three months late. Uh, yeah, I mean, we made, you know, we were military people. I'm not a businessman. Um, I learned all that on the job and uh, as you will. And we made every mistake in the book that you could make starting a business once. And, <laughs> uh, and, and that was our success is that we learned as we went. And, uh, and I had a great business partner as we moved forward. But the key was, was not Mike Seidel or myself. When we got this company started. The key was, was who we hired around us. And that's what I have today that makes the company go. I mean, I've got Bob and I got Pat and I got Jim and I got Tom. All of these elements of the company make us go because, uh, you know, we're, our, our strengths are, are uh, much more as a, as a team than individuals. So we're, we're very, very lucky in that regard. Plus, we all come from military backgrounds. You know, unfortunately... Um, you know, we got a Marine in the program and we got a West Point graduate in the program, but you know, we, we, we accept them for, uh, for who they are. You'll get through that, right? <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> so, you know, one of the, one of the other questions that I know people are wanting to know, um, what, there's a lot of training companies out there. How do you guys distinguish yourselves from these other training companies? I mean, there's, there's a lot that goes into training, but do you guys have specific, uh, specializations that you guys do or? Yeah, no, it's a great question, Nate. And, and, uh, you know, I'll go back to what I said earlier. Um, you know, the first thing that we, we told ourselves when we started this company is that one, we're going to do something that's good for the country. We're just not going to do this to make, make money. We want to make sure what we're doing, you know, fits with our values and the core values that we were brought up with in our military uniforms. Um, and, uh, that whatever it was going to be, uh, was going to add to the value uh, of the country that we serve. So first we don't compromise on quality and excellence. And, um, and to this day, we don't violate that value and those that do um we terminate uh, immediately um and we've had to do that on occasion like like any company or any organization when you have people that that fail those value points the second thing we do is we hire very high-end talent um i'm very proud to say that you know i've got a I'm in the company um you know dr tom Drohan, for example phd from princeton university taught for 28 years at the academy was a dean of a national defense college uh, I've got uh, Rob Ellers uh, up in Ohio, who's a PhD from Ohio State in history, taught the uh, School of Advanced Aerospace Studies. And then I've got, uh, um, um, gosh, uh, PhD out of Georgetown University. I've got, um, uh, who is the uh, an individual? Um, Aaron Beaumont, uh, University of Arkansas, PhD. You know, she worked uh, human factor profiles for the Defense Intelligence Agency for years. And, uh, you know, she comes in and helps us teach some of the psychological components of some of the courses that we have. Now, so I have a Harvard PhD and a, uh, and a mentor that we have in the company who's uh, of a three-star uh, Air Force rank. Uh, profession has a defense attache and an intelligence officer. So we've populated ourselves very well with, with strength and talent uh, that, that both exist in the academic arena, um, in the uh, defense arena, and on the commercial side of the house uh, uh, for, for JMARC. So bringing that kind of talent together brings what um, I thrive on in the company, and that's innovation. You know, if you don't have talent in, in the education component and an energy in the company, you don't get any innovative thought. And what we're trying to become um, are thought leaders in our program. And so we do virtual reality training. Um, we've got, uh, you know, obviously our typical platform training, which I'm a fan of. I, I believe you got to be coffee breath close and get close to a student to have him here and understand and, and, do, and work with you on technique and concepts. And then put those applications on a board for everybody to see and critique. Um, uh, so we've also done uh, um, uh, visualization uh, analytics. Uh, we're using some tools to help us along with that. So we like to think that we're, uh, we're innovative in our approach to understanding advanced analysis. We're innovative in our approach to how we deliver those, those styles of teaching. 
and those methodologies of teaching, you know, some some students, you know, really grasp on to the one on one in, a, in an environment of a classroom environment. Others grasp on to uh, to a virtual reality experience where we can put on the goggles and they can walk on board of a, you know, a, a ship in Iran or a building in China, uh, you know, wherever we are and get a feel for that particular landscape and that threat that uh, we're trying to understand and, and uh it helps them produce an informed judgment uh, when they go back to the units to talk to the decision makers. So we like to give the full body experience of education, and it depends on the audience, depends on what they need, depends on the language that they speak, on which venue we choose. Um, but uh, but we weigh that very carefully, and not every student that applies gets into our courses. Uh, we have a very rigorous um, uh, process and how we select and who we select. Most of our courses for the intelligence courses, for example, um, we mix it up. We want it to be just like an operational planning team in the Pentagon or in, in the combatant command. So we have operators, planners, and, um, and intelligence professionals, and we have cyber professionals in there. And, uh, and we combine, if you will, kind of a uh, superficial OPT or operational planning team as we go through these 10-day courses with them uh, to help them render uh, a proper judgment. And, uh, and we take them through critical thinking all the way to wargaming uh, in some of these courses that we, we deliver. So so variety of techniques, variety of concepts, variety of theory uh, bring together uh, what I would like to say are probably some of the the best um, course critiques that, uh, that I've ever seen in 30 years of education and training programs uh, through the courses that we bring forward. Well, I, I actually want to sign up. It sounds like a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big uh, big geek slash nerd, whatever you want to call it. Um, virtual reality is my thing. I love it. Um, so it kind of brings me into the, my next question is with with the onset of COVID-19 or coronavirus, how are you guys have you guys had to change your business model right now on trying to train remotely or how does that work out for you guys if you want to? Yeah, we we were actually um, very cool before COVID-19 arrived. We, we had this already figured out. Um, we actually closed the company uh, a week prior to all of the state closures and all of the requirements that were coming out um, because we had already trained and exercised working from home and telework capacity. Uh, I have offices in Washington. I have offices in uh, Colorado Springs. I have offices in San, San Angelo, Texas and Oklahoma. And we were constantly on Microsoft Teams and Zoom with all of those employees. Uh, what we had to do was convince the government how to do it. Uh, and that, that became a, a job <laughs> that we didn't anticipate we had to do, but the government didn't know how to do it. You know, how do you how do you take people out of the Pentagon and have them telework from home working classified programs? And uh, and so we were very innovative and and how we arrange that and how we put schedules together for our team. But we have not suffered at all. In fact, we've, ha we've had hiring activity uh, during the COVID-19 phase. And uh, I have a commitment to my team that nobody will be furloughed. And uh, for whatever reason, if it gets worse, you know, we're going to guarantee salaries to our people for at least four months. And um, but right now, everybody is employed. Morale is high. They're delivering to their cores and to their uh, and to their program managers. Um, we talk to them every day. We talk among ourselves every day. Um, so we're very effective. In fact, we're so effective that uh, um, we're almost chained to our computers because you never know when Bob Rehorn or Pat Owens is going to press the uh, Microsoft Teams to want to talk to you. So you got to stay at the ready all the time. <laughs> No, and and I think we're all seeing that right now. I think the one good thing that's going to come out of this um, coronavirus um, event or the pandemic is the fact that companies, not only like yours, but I think even the government is going to start realizing, wow, we actually can work remotely. We can be successful by doing this. And if we currently aren't right now, I, I see teams right now ramping up and learning how to do it. So um, yeah, I'm very anxious to see the lessons learned out of all of this. And you know, there's going to be volumes of lessons learned in every government agency in town, but particularly for small businesses and government contracts, you know, can they save money? Can they save space by realizing what they've been successful at because of COVID-19? So there will be, you know, uh, despite all the pain with COVID-19, there's going to be some goodness and some great lessons learned out of COVID-19. And you know, hopefully J Markets are part of that. And uh you know, we'll find a place where we can uh, we can share our experiences. That's awesome. Um, so, Mike, I want to bring in Pat Owen real quick. Um, I sure. think he's uh, on your team as uh, what I would probably refer to as a 
um, BD type role. He's also your chief strategy officer. Is that correct? He's chief strategy officer. Yeah. Pat's been with us for, uh, for several years now and he's just a pro. Okay. So Pat, uh, if you don't mind, um, come on in the, uh, come on the call here and, and kind of tell me what you guys are looking for right now. Are you guys looking to team with, with other companies? Are you looking for, um, do you guys, do you guys typically go after a RFP that the government releases or do you guys just have people sign up on your website for your classes? How does that work? No, what we do, um, teaming is is by far uh, the best strategy that I've learned. Um, uh, we partner either as a teammate or we partner as a prime. If it's something that works, it's, it's, in, our, it's in our wheelhouse, um, then we will put together a team and we'll go out and talk to uh, uh, the local, we start local companies to find those teammates and then go outward until we can fill all the gaps that we can't we can't do ourselves at a small business. Uh, we go out and do that. Um, we also um, want to get out there that, you know, we partner with all companies. Uh, you know, we have Booz Allen, Northrop Grumman, Lidos. We have been partners with them uh, for a very long time. And <clears throat> we're a trusted agent. And that's the key thing is we say we're going to do it, we do it. And my thing as a Marine is a pride factor is we get data calls, we get, you know, requests for information, whatever. Uh, I like to be Johnny on the spot. You know, I want to answer the call. I never want a prime contractor waiting for us as teammates on something for them. So we pride ourselves in that. We get the job done and we do it well. Excellent. Well, I know um, when Mike was talking there, he was saying that, you know, you guys have personnel in many, many different countries right now, um, or at least you, you, you do work in those countries. Now, talk to me about that business model. Does that mean that you guys send people there just for, uh, you know, a few weeks at a time for training, or do you actually have people living in those locations? Well, actually, it would depend. So, uh, so uh, one of our pieces of work, we actually uh, deploy field service reps uh, in support of the MQ-5 uh, Hunter program. So we have people downrange uh, supporting that. They go there for, it's basically four months on, then they come back for four months and they go back uh, another four months. And that cycle and rotation continues. Um, previously, we've been in uh, uh, the Middle East where we had permanent personnel that were actually stationed uh, in a specific country uh, for many years. And uh, they support the uh, the weapons school or support of, in, of intelligence training. Uh, some of our other uh, pieces of work, we actually do the mobile training te teams, as uh, Mike alluded to. So we send um, a training team uh, to the country for anywhere from two weeks to eight weeks uh, that they're in country and they're teaching uh, a select group of international students. And, uh, and then we bring them back. So that's kind of our model, but we are very flexible. We're agile. We're small. So we can do things like that. We can hire and hire the right talent quickly and, and get them into the, into the fight uh, immediately. So, so that's key uh, as a business model for us. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate that. That's, that's great. Um, Mike, real quick question for you again. I don't know, maybe you want to have Bob answer the question, but one of the questions I've got is if, if you're a local company here in the Colorado Springs area or at any other offices, um, do you also bring them other companies, local companies, not government Entities, do you bring them in for training and help their, those companies do their own training, or how does that work? We have, um, and I'll turn this over to Bob. But we have state-of-the-art training facilities uh, in Colorado Springs at our at our office. You know, we can we've got multiple small group rooms and plenary rooms. But we've had the FBI in there, um, Chamber of Commerce. We've had cyber companies in there that come in. We've had the Air Force Academy come down. We've had the uh, the, uh, the the J two from uh, Pete Field come down and use our facilities. Um, they use them for off-sites. Um, so we do share our facilities with the greater Colorado Springs area. Um, and we uh, have shared them with other companies uh, that have training needs. So uh, we are all about the community there. And Bob, do you want to add any of that? No, actually, I think you covered it, but we do give it to other companies. And the other thing is, is the training that we had set up um, 
that Jim could also address is that we were setting up training as partners in cyber training and CMMC training so that our facilities can be used just for uh, for the whole Colorado market for continued training, not just for one company, but for many if they want to use it. And and you bring up a good point. CMMC is a, is a huge hot topic right now, as everybody knows. Um, are you guys ramping up training based on version 1.0 right now? Or where do you see That's a great question for CMMC Jim Lacey. That's, that's a great question for him, Nate. Jim, can you get to that? Yeah, thanks. Sure. Yeah, so one of the things that, that we're doing here in the market, in the Colorado Springs market, is we're we're very heavily connected now into – various different organizations. So, um, you know, we're, we're really looking at partnerships. So as, as Mike and Pat were talking about other partnerships on the government side, we're also very heavily invested in other groups such as ISSA, the Smalls, the EDC Chamber here, NCX, the National Cyber Exchange, National Cyber Security Center. So all of those groups <clears throat> are very important to us to establish our presence and our brand here in Colorado Springs. But one of the things we, we looked at was if we are going to look at a new greenfield of commercial, uh, what type of strategy should should we put in place? And so what we did is we architected really sort of a three-tier strategy. One is, is that of more uh, strategy at the top. So think of a think tank, Think of thought leadership uh, through the information environment, which Tom can address a little more in detail, and then a bottom-up approach. So we focused on partnerships now in the IT certification training with both Contia and the Linux Foundation. So we're doing all of those types of courses, <clears throat> excuse me, that you would think of from Network Plus, Security Plus. 10 test plus CASP, and then some of the sysadmin and certified engineering courses through the Linux Foundation. But where the compliance piece comes in, that's sort of the, the middle layer of the strategy. So you've got sort of a top-down think tank conversation going in which we're heavily engaging business uh, here in Colorado Springs and the business community in Colorado Springs to be part of that conversation regarding the information environment and how that how that connects into cybersecurity issues. Um, so we're working with the chamber and other folks here at the EDC to put that group together. And then of course, as I mentioned, you had the bottom up uh, coming on the IT, sort of the skills certification piece. And then the compliance later that fits in the middle. And it's not just, CMMC, and I'll turn this to Tom here in a minute. Uh, we recognized very early on that we needed to be 800-171 compliant, and we went through that process in excruciating detail over the last couple of years. So we want to help provide that guidance to other companies here in the market. And then as CMMC becomes more mature, we will have a combination education uh, component that will be very engaging and very different than what most people have seen, and that will encompass both 800-171 and CMMC. So we're focused on that. We're working with some very very sharp people as well that are on the uh, on the committees that are launching CMMC. So uh, we're very much at the at the forefront and the tip of the spear on that. And Tom, did you want to talk a little more about the think tank? Sure. Yeah, I, I'll do that. Uh, so we have the International Center for Security and Leadership, and it's it's really it's a place to learn, place to connect, place to lead. We've got these tremendous facilities where we can accommodate large groups and then break them into small groups. And we we look at learning as kind of a spectrum, you know, training and education, but it's it's learner focused. So it's not it's not what we teach. It's what the participants or students learn. So we're very hands-on in the learning process, but we also use uh, uh, 
artificial intelligence. We're using machine learning. You know, you talked about the COVID-19 threat. So we talk about COVID-19 in a number of the posts that we put out uh, on the website. And, and we talk about COVID-19 in, in an old school way using case, case method analysis where you just ask good questions. And then we also talk about COVID-19 in terms of machine learning. So we've got this, this terrific uh, software from uh, Visual Purple, or it's called Savant X, and we can machine learn a video <laughs> uh, while we're asking good old-fashioned traditional questions that you get in a, like a business case, uh, law school or B-schools use uh, case method learning. And that case method learning is, I guess, what Mike referred to as coffee coffee breath <laughs> close, you know, and we might use butcher block paper and uh, grease pencils or, uh, you know, erase boards, dry erase boards. And then we're also using virtual reality, machine learning, what, whatever the customer, whatever fits the customer's context. So, uh, you know, we try very hard to be flexible because we're small and uh, uh, we're, we're out there, but not so far out there that we're not still still relevant. So we're we're blending we're blending what's relevant in the IE in the information environment kind of on the leading edge. But we also drilling down into uh, compliance training and providing kind of that interface that would look at compliance training, uh, not teach it as others teach it, but refer to it in a way so that you can anticipate threats in the information environment, whether they're natural threats like COVID or, uh, you know, tracking Chinese and Russian disinformation that, uh, you know, eventually takes the form of ransomware or phishing attacks or maybe insider threats in anybody's small business here. You know what, I, Nate, I would just add to that, you know, what's unique for us uh, as a small business is that, uh, you know, why our core company is, our core competency is education and training. Um, every component in the country is tied to a strategy map that links our vision and our mission and our values um, in an integrated way to where um, everything that we're doing in some shape or form is characterizing the information environment that we're, we're servicing. Uh, I don't care that if that's a commercial entity or if that's a defense entity, you know, and we do do specific um, intelligence support uh, to information operations to help defense understand and characterize an IE in a complex and operating environment. But that same concept applies in the commercial world, and that's what Jim and Tom are working so so intent on is is integrating our our think tank uh, to be relevant, and that's really important for us as a company is to re remain relevant to the issues of the Defense Department, um, and you know, which is why many of us go and and spend two and three and four weeks, in my case, six months back in the Pentagon, even as a CEO of the company, um, doing studies uh, to to remain uh, you know in a relevant way. Uh, to the issues that uh, the Defense Department is working with in the National Defense Strategy. So, so we do a variety of things, internal learning and external learning, and also to keep ourselves relevant and smart. Um, but we have that think tank because that's got to be part of an education training company. You know, if we're not writing and we're not thinking and we're not, uh, we're not thought leaders, then in my view, we're no value added. And uh, so that's why we put the pressure on ourselves uh, to be sharp as well. Well, and I, I really enjoy the idea that you guys are not just military or just commercial. You guys are trying to meld the two together, um, which is, is going to make you guys a, a more of a well-rounded company in the in the long run anyway. Um, Dennis Cater, um, what kind of questions do you guys have for these guys? Well, I know we were talking about training education and um, comp TIA provider. And are there any other opportunities where... Um, either commercially or on the government side that that other companies like mine could um, leverage uh, to support things that we're working on or, or that you guys are looking for? Let me let Pat answer that. He's our strategy officer. Yeah, I mean, you know, a couple of, you know, unique pieces of that, uh, you know, for uh, you know, normally when you're, when you're going after a government contract or, you know, you're on the RFP, we want some innovative solutions that the government hasn't seen before and and it'll intrigue them. I mean, I think one 
one piece of that, you know, we could provide um, uh, we could provide the education and training and the con uh, uh, the continuous education of a workforce on that contract. So, so yeah, sure, they have to have a network, uh, a security plus. Well, guess what? I mean, as as incentives, they can move up. We could we could be the pipeline to keep that continuous education on that contract to keep the workers relevant and capable so they are uh, exceeding the requirements of what the government has asked for. So that's one aspect. Let me offer let me no. offer something else there to, to that. Um, you know, one of the things that, uh, and, you know, as, as COVID-19 surrounds all of us and uh, every day there's new information that we're struggling with and, and how we're going to operate and, and uh, more restrictions and one of the things that we did um, is that one, like all companies, you know, we take a lot of pride in what we do. We take a lot of pride in ourselves. And rather than be with our handout to a federal government handout, we have challenged our teammates in the big business side of the house. And I'll name them, Booz Allen Hamilton, Lidos, Northrop, Raytheon, the folks that we're teamed with. And we're saying, hey, we don't want a government supplement or uh, a grant we want big business to take care of a little bit business and reach out and uh, and make sure that one there's um you know employment for for our folks and your folks and so we've challenged big business to reach out to small business and uh and check on them make sure that they're secure you know if there's an fte or two to give uh to bring them on board to a team to help keep a company up during this period of time so we have turned to those companies and challenged them, and they've responded to that. And I would just tell your listeners that uh, if they haven't thought about that, it's been effective for us. And um, and uh, we've had a couple of mentors, big business mentors. Uh, and having said that, you know, like everybody, uh, you know, you've had your fair share of frustrations with big business when they come in and offer you uh, work share, and then you know the RFP lands and they win, and then you don't see that work share. But um, but this is a different time right now, and uh, I would tell you. Um, hold big business partners accountable. Uh, they're there to help. Uh, their dollar values are much larger than yours. And, uh, and you got to tuck up under their wing uh, as we struggle through this period together. Well, we, we actually, yeah, uh, you, you, I couldn't have said it any better. Right now, I'm, you know, watching the news on the side. I have one monitor turned on with the news and, and I hear all these small businesses saying they might have to start laying, laying people off. And uh, I hate to hear that um, because my concern is, is that once everything gets back to normal and that's that that light switch gets flipped the other direction. Now you're going to have a whole bunch of people scrambling to find jobs and companies that don't, don't have the people to do the work that they promised that they would do. So, you know, I, I that's a very good idea. You know, I never thought of that of, of asking your partners or your, your, your big boys, if you will, to say, Hey, look at us. Just if nothing else, reach out to, if you are a big company, reach out to yourself saying, Hey, how are you guys doing? Because you know what, what's going to happen is if those small businesses are going to ha end up having to lay off in the next month or two or three or four, whatever it's going to be, uh, they're not going to be able to perform once we, the world gets back to normal again. So it's worth your time just to reach out to them and say, Hey, is everything all right? And if nothing else, it's just that interaction, right? We got to learn to communicate more with one another, not only internal to our own companies, but external to our primes and our subs as well. Yeah, absolutely, Nate. Absolutely. And Dennis, I'm sorry, this is this is Jim. Dennis, I just I wanted to answer that one question that you had about commercial partnerships because one of the things we're working very diligently on right now is affecting a number of different commercial partnerships, whether it be with you know cybersecurity companies or it be with other players in the IT space here in town. Um, if you are interested in talking to us about that, please feel free to pick up the phone and, and give us a call because uh, we are moving in, into that area, uh, as we mentioned earlier. And, uh, and we're talking to a number of different players right now because a lot of what we do does have clear adjacent business opportunities that we're focused on and, and going after right now. So we encourage you to pick up the phone, give us a call. Um, also, I just wanted to make it known that that we have been focused on providing space at our facility. It's a fairly large facility. It's got a number of different training rooms. It's got a plenary room, as Mike mentioned earlier. 
And we plan on holding think tank meetings there and then other group meetings as well, including the smalls once we get back to to a place where people are uh, once again meeting uh, in person. So I just want to make that that point as well. Well, I just want to say that's a great segue. So how do we get a hold of you if we need if we if we're interested in doing business with you and or you know interested in maybe leveraging your facilities? Um, how do we how do folks get a hold of you guys? Go to our website and on the last page, page there's a uh, there's a contact list. Put your name, your information, what you need, and somebody from J Mark will contact you within 24 hours. So just go to our webpage and uh, and you'll see it you'll see it right there. And the web page is jmarkservices.com, all one, all one. Jmark Services, J M A R K Services.com. Excellent. Well, Mark, is there anything else that you guys wanted to add? I know we've uh, been talking here for a while and uh, it's been a great conversation. I've learned a lot about what you guys do and uh, it sounds like exciting news. You know, there, we've got so many different small businesses around our community, what we like to try to call just the small business ecosystem, which includes manufacturers, prime subs. It always amazes me when we get people on shows like this to talk. Um, I didn't realize that we had this kind of talent in our own community. So uh, with that, is there anything else you want to kind of let the community know? Yeah, you know, I, I you know, um, obviously, as I mentioned before, um, I'm lucky to have the the team on the phone that I've got because they they really make the company go. But um, but having done this now and spent 30 years in uniform and now 10 years in the business world, you know, there's there's always a thing about gosh, I wish I would have. And I think the one thing, you know, for me, and then Bob will have a different perspective on this because he comes out of the business world as well. Um, but the one thing I wish I would have understood more. Uh, when I started this company, was understanding the pricing uh, in, uh, in in labor categories, and I was fortunate enough to have an individual that works for us, Marie Kraft, who is a mathematic genius, and she saved the day uh, along with Pat Owens about figuring out pricing in labor categories because there's nothing quicker to take a company down than to get pricing wrong. So, so for listeners out there who are standing up a company, invest your time time and finding that mathematician that understands pricing and labor categories in the marketplace that you're after. So with that, I'll leave it to Bob. Bob, what, what would be your thought on you? I wish I would have known what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the one thing that maybe we didn't spend as much time on, we talked about the mobile trains. The one thing I wish I would have known better and I've learned a lot, I think would be ITAR. Um, <clears throat> we have, as a little company, I think one thing that I'm, we're really proud of is that we're fully, you know, the international trafficking and arms regulations, we are fully registered ITAR with licenses to teach and all, or, or bring our capabilities to many different countries. The one thing I wish I would have known was um, probably that I needed a couple of courses in ITAR because it took, <laughs> it took a lot of work and a lot of people at, in, in DTIC to uh, be very patient with me and with some of our advisors. Um, so the great thing is we've been able to create global reach because of a small company having a solid ITAR uh, background and, and adaptability and flexibility. But it, you know, my predecessor did a lot more work in it than I did. And even for me, it, the learning curve was a cliff and, and that was tough. Bob, you, you know, I want to jump in here real quick just because, um, I ran a program out here at Peterson Air Force Base, and one of the things that that came up was ITAR. And and even though we're a a large, small, or medium sized company, um, we still had issues with that, right? So I yeah. think that'd be a great opportunity for you guys, a business opportunity, if you guys could even offer up an ITAR training locally for these small businesses. Because you're right, if you're not in the know on that. Um, it's not something very simple just to say, and you don't want to shrug it off either because it's part of the contract no. that you need to make sure no. that you're following. Yeah. I mean, it's a complete marketplace missed if you don't understand it. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing is you can teach it or, you know, I can maybe, let's just say theoretically, I could instruct on some of the things I've learned and some of the basic things you have to do. And then the very next case, it'll be different. That's the other thing. Yes. You know, you know, they ne it that, never works the same. I, I agree. Yeah. And, every, and every country is different. Um, however, what I would have loved to seen when I was doing this is just, number one, to have, you know, some basic training and knowledge on it. 
um, from my perspective of, hey, you're going to now, we're going to send you, 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 let's say you won this contract and the government's going to send you to Australia, right? I had this very thing happen to me. We're going to send you to Australia. Um, do you have a ITAR letter? I'm like, well, I, I have no clue how to even start that process, let alone do I know if I have one or not? So even, even if, <laughs> even if you can, you know, have some training where you kind of go over, here's, here's a couple of different countries and here's templates, examples of letters of how to write them or whatever. Um, anything like that would help these small companies, I think. Yeah, that's a good, a good point, Nate. And uh, Bob and I will keep talking about it and it might be something there. So I appreciate you bringing that to, to yeah. us. Yeah. So um, let's see. So we've got Mike, Bob, Pat, any last words from you? No, uh, I would just say uh, another pain point for, I believe, small business because we just came through it. Something that we just did uh, as part of our transition strategy off the 8A was, was trying to get on the, the GSA schedules, um, the professional service schedule specifically. And that process um, I took on, um, you know, kind of, you know, we, we had a process in place. We had the proposal, in, it, it, but it's just changes as Bob was alluding to with the ITAR. Um, they keep changing the thing, and it's just a, a painful process, but it's a must process that, that, that these small businesses really need to do uh, because it's a it's a way for the federal government to access your capability. If you don't have that, then they can't access you. So, uh, so they re- really need to think long and hard about uh, about working to get on that schedule, hiring a consultant to help you with those things. Um, but that is very important. And very painful. And that's all I had to say about GSA. Okay. Um, let's go to uh, Tom. Yeah. No, I think the only thing I could say is that since we're all uh, connecting virtually now, now is the time, like you're doing with this, to, to kind of seize the opportunity to connect even more. I really think you can. we can exchange a lot more ideas and create a lot more linkages uh, now because we kind of have to. And so uh, we can kind of front load a lot of the connections that we'll need later now. So we, we just really appreciate the, uh, the chance to, to come on board here. Thanks. Awesome. And then I'm going to uh, go back to Jim real quick for you. Jim, what else do you have? Oh, thanks, Nate. Yeah, just uh, one other comment I will make is the IEAA course, as Mike was talking about earlier, really found a niche in DOD, but one thing uh, everyone should know is that Tom and I are working uh, diligently to take that and move that into the commercial sector as well, because there are many, many good objectives and, and teaching points that that, te- that that course addresses and many, many applications in the business community as well. So, so that is a work in progress that, that we're currently um, pursuing. Excellent. Um, Dennis, what other kind of questions do you have? Do you have anything from your end? Uh, no, Nate, I'm, I'm good right now. Uh, just appreciate, uh, Jim Art coming on and talking to us and giving us an overview about their company and, uh, opportunities that, uh, are lurking within the company and also in the near future. And, uh, I personally look forward to doing, uh, some work here with J Mark in the near future and I appreciate everybody coming on. And on behalf of J Mark, uh, thank you both so much. Uh, this is a huge opportunity for us and, uh, and I hope it will be for others. And, uh, we're delighted to be number four on your, uh, on your podcast experience. So we look forward to listening to the future ones as well. So thank you. Thank you very much on behalf of the whole team. No, and, and thank you guys. I know, you know, you're taking time out of your day uh, or evening here. And uh, I know all of us have a lot of, a lot going on on our plates. Um, but you know what? Having a conversation like this is also a welcome to break. So I appreciate everything and, and everybody that's on the phone for taking time out of your day to come on and just talk with us. And uh, once again, to, to contact JMark Services, go ahead, go to jmarkservices.com. And on, at the top of their page, you, there's a contacts tab. You can go ahead and put in your information there and somebody from JMark Services will get back to you. So with that, I want to say thank you. I want to tell everybody out there to st- please stay safe, stay good, stay kind to one another, and tune in next time for our next event. You've reached the end of another episode of The Smalls Podcast. Connect with us at thesmalls.org. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to receive our free materials. See you soon at the next episode.